Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, this is Eric Acker, and this is our program Med Family. I'm here hosting with Karen. Hi. And this is just another week of our podcast, and so we are going to check in with the home front here, Karen being the home front, and see how it's going. Well... This week, what happened? Our daughter broke her brand new glasses. <laughs> We've had them, what, two weeks now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We knew this was this day was going to come. Yes. We hadn't gotten the second pair yet. They are in the mail, but that was a lovely Sunday morning wake-up call. She took them off and stuck them on the floor and then proceeded to move a chair over them. So they were bowed out disproportionately. We got them fixed enough that she could wear them to church, and then... We took them to Walmart. Took them to Walmart and got them fixed the rest of the way. Yeah, thankfully there was somebody there on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> but I think it was thankfully good because it was our first time actually going in and getting it adjusted. Yeah, when we first, we just had Eric pick them up on the way home from... Which I should have known better because I've had glasses and I know they need to get fitted <laughs> when you get them. They don't just come out of the case and just pop them on your face. You actually have to fit them to your face and make sure that they don't slide down and... When I picked them up, I didn't. I forgot to bring Nora in with me, so this was great. We got to bring Nora in and make sure that the damage that was done was not permanent. <laughs> it wasn't. I did bring the warranty, though, just in case. So that made for a, a pretty lousy a Sunday morning. Uh, yesterday, we had a bit of a find. We've been looking for a rowing machine for me for a while, and we've kind of given up on like the nice wood ones because they're just way... Like, like we had mentioned in previous podcasts, we had a very particular wish list, and this particular wish list came with dollar signs attached to it. Yeah, and we don't really have dollar signs, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we had kind of gone through the ratings, and we had been looking at them for a while. And we're Karen, like, well, Karen finally gave me some instructions of what to exactly to look for and how much my budget was to look for this thing. Yes, and so we weren't thinking that we were going to get what we actually, like, our top, the top tier one. Um, and I had picked, I think we had looked at the rankings for 2021 and the top 10, and so I think we were middle, middle, we were looking at a couple of the ones in the middle that we had found on Facebook Marketplace, and then Eric messaged me after he got out of his psych rotation and he was like hey i found this one and he he'll take what our our top top of the budget and i think we got it for like a third of the actual asking price if you were to buy it it would be three times the amount we paid for it yeah and the guy was like yeah i will use it like once (laughs) i just had to go to atlanta to get it yeah so (laughs) eric was gone all day even though he got out of his because the first day of his rotation was just kind of how to use the system and a meet and greet and how the week was going to work and all that stuff. And, and we'll get more into that later, too, because it's Yeah, kind but of he got one. out at, like, I think you called me at, like, 10, 10.30 or something. Yeah. And he didn't get home till like, 6 because he drove, <laughs> he was messaging the guy and then he drove, he got cash out and drove to Atlanta well, yeah, and back. Yeah, the, guy, and the hit. guy wanted to, like, meet up in two hours. I'm like, well, that's going to take me exactly two hours to get to Atlanta. So I just... I was at school. I was just going to do some studying. And then the guy said two hours. I just packed my stuff up and just ran to the bank and then ran up north. <laughs> yeah. So I have my Christmas gift now. <laughs> well, and this, this was important. This is important to me because, like, I, I got a, uh, a spin bike. We didn't spend very much money on that either. We got a really good deal on that one, uh, Facebook Marketplace again. But, like, I, I used to bike a lot when I was a kid, and so it kind of appealed to me as a form of exercise that I could do if I didn't want to do like high intensity training workout or one of the other Apple fitness workouts since that's, since that's what we're basically using for our fitness. But, so that was something I got and Karen I think has used it a few times the spin bike anyway, but the rowing machine is what kind of appealed to her as <laughs> and so I find it, it relaxing well, in in a weird way like you kind of get into the motion and then you just kind of stay in the motion, right? <laughs> and it's you can kind of just zone out and it's 
it's nice. Sure. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's important to, if you're going to do something, you, you're trying to get a little bit healthier, maybe trying to lose a few pounds here and there, it's good to find something that you actually enjoy doing as opposed to hate doing because you're probably never going to do what you hate or very unlikely will do what you hate. And I don't think you hated the spin bike. You just, it just wasn't your thing. Um, and the rolling machine, I think, is going to be pretty cool. Um, I, I like it. I haven't used it myself beyond just testing to make sure it worked in the space that we got we put it in. But it's kind of a cool little thing. And it's a water rower, so it does make that nice swooshing sound. Like you're actually paddling an oar through the water. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, our middle, I guess you'd call him middle, our third child. We have four. So our third child woke up this morning at three, and it took me a few hours to get him back to sleep. So we were up. And then our other two woke Uh. up at (laughs) 4.50. So we were up. So I I did manage to get a rowing workout in this morning. Oh, when I was sitting in the shower, I think you were. Okay. Um, And the oldest two thought it was the best thing. So they both tried it out this morning. I mean, they can't really. I mean, their legs aren't long enough. I came out and I saw Nora like pulling back on the thing and like, I'm rowing, dad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working out, dad. Yeah, and I I kept getting, uh, bring it down, bring it down, because you could just lift it up and it'll it'll stand straight up so it doesn't take up much room. Um, And so we do that when we're not using it, obviously, so it's not in the way. Um, And they kept wanting me to bring it down today, and I was like, no, no, we're not doing this. This is mommy's thing. (laughs) But... I, I don't know. We might have to figure out a way to attach it to the wall. There's oh, a lot yeah. of interest in it right now. Okay. So that's, yeah. Because it is kind of heavy as well. So it might squish a tiny human and probably don't want to do that. Well, the heaviest part is what is sitting on the floor. That's fair. So um, it would hurt them, but I don't think it would kill them. But that's not the point. The point is... <laughs> I, I, we don't want to go to the <laughs> ER anytime soon. Right. We have, we have managed to only go to the ER once, twice, twice. In our seven years of having kids. I remember Oliver going to the ER. It was Oliver both times. Uh, the milkmaid's elbow. Oh, that was that was urgent care. So okay. I'm not kind of counting that as an ER. Okay, fine. The milkmaid's elbow. And then he had really, really bad hives after yeah. Nora was born. Yeah. And we couldn't figure out. And he had, it was hives and swelling. So we went and they just, we stayed there till four in the morning and ended up just getting Benadryl. And I was like, well, I could have done that. Yeah, but, that that was rough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was rough. I had just started a new job and I had to go to work the next morning. I was like, I got... I, Still in that probationary <laughs> period where you don't get any time off. So yeah. my work was like, you you were up until four o'clock in the morning. That's okay. Don't come in until like one. And I was like, great. Thanks. <laughs> Karen's work. Actually, they I might have let you go home early. They did. Um, I got all my work done early. That's and when my, you had a good boss and you had really... Yeah. My good... last job was... I had I had really good bosses. Um, she's like, you could just make up your hours on Saturday and just, just get through your reports and you can go home. <laughs> yeah. So that was nice. What so else you also, was- um, I think you were, we were kind of getting more devoted into the homeschooling since it is school year season. So I think you had gotten a new program cause I think the old one wasn't quite working out. Right. So when we were on the Island, I had brought hooked on phonics. And they, my kids, our kids, liked the video game aspect of it, and they would sing some of the songs, but the workbook portion, it was like pulling teeth. And so I ended up getting play and talk when we got to the States, because that's what my mom used with us. It's phonics-based, and I thought with our oldest son's speech delay, phonics would be the way to go to encourage correct speech. But that, and I thought it would be good because it's a lot of music and our kids seem to enjoy singing. Whether or not they're good at it is another thing. See, I, I don't agree it. with this at all because, and maybe it's just the oldest kid, because whenever I sing, he's always like, he puts his hands over his ears and he's like, no, no, no. stop. He, he doesn't want you to sing, but he will sing. Oh, okay. So it's just my voice. No, he doesn't <laughs> want me to sing either. <laughs> but he will sing. Like when he's playing with his kinetic sand or whatnot, he'll be singing songs that he hears. And same with Nora. So I was like, well, this might be good. And then I was doing preschool prep off of YouTube. And... That also was not working very well. And I had gotten onto a Facebook group that's like free resources for homeschool moms. 
And free is a great price. Free is a great price. And so after two programs and things that I thought were going to work, I was getting kind of frustrated. So I went on there and I was just asking for recommendations. I did end up buying a, I think it was less than 20 bucks, but it's like how to teach your child to read in a hundred easy lessons. And we have gotten through three lessons because we just got it Friday. 3% of the way there. <laughs> Nora likes it. Oliver doesn't hate it. He will sit, he will, <laughs> he will sit through the whole thing. Of when we get towards the end, he wants to go do something else. But I will say it was great to have that Facebook group because I was just like, I'm getting really frustrated. This is my first year trying to do this. I really feel like it's important for me to do this. And so many moms were like, well, it's your first year. Just be willing to switch things up. Try what and see what works. You're learning how your child learns. It gets easier as the years go. Um, don't be so concerned about getting everything done every day. Take it as your child takes it. So this week, we'll try and do reading in the morning. We'll play. We'll clean up. We'll do some sort of chore, have a snack, and then we'll try and do math in the afternoon and then do something um, science-y. So Netflix has Ada Twist Scientist. It's a new show, and it actually has scientists come on there at the end of the show and talk about something. So um, yesterday it was about baking soda and they baked cookies and they showed you these are the cookies with baking soda and these are the cookies without. And so we ended up baking muffins. And so we're trying to be a little bit fluid. I am pretty proud of myself for picking the math that I did because the kids do love the math. So There's, what, what math did you, uh, we picked uh right start math. Okay. Um, and it's got a ton of manipulatives. And so I'm not sure what manipulatives are. Blocks, calculator, clock. Oh, okay. Play money, like things that you can utilize your hands with. It's got rhymes. It's got songs. Um, so they like that. So I save that for the afternoon when they're maybe a little bit more grumpy. So it's been going. It's been going better this week, and I'm hoping we finally got Oliver into a speech assessment. So that's going to be tomorrow. So I'm hoping we'll get him started in speech, and we can have some real progress. I feel like once I can get him to read, then he'll have a little bit more of sentence structure, and maybe the reading will encourage him to actually use his voice. I know he has words. But Nora always speaks for him. <laughs> so Outsourced. Outsourced, yeah. He'll, he will say as few words as possible unless you make him say an actual sentence. So, Yeah, and it it's hopefully going to help. I think because he also had these instances where he wants to tell us to do something sometimes. Like we'll get in the car and he wants to say something to us about what, where we're going or what we're going to do and what he would like to do. And he just can't really communicate it. And so he'll just break down into just like a, a tantrum, like something you would have seen in maybe a two-year-old. And so I think hopefully with speech therapy, we're, again, we, we did it when he was a lot younger, when we were back in Washington prior to going to medical school. And so we didn't really have any opportunities while we were in medical school. So this is our first opportunity to get him into speech therapy. Um, I guess, I mean, we were on a wait list, but I guess they were closed for covid and so they are just now op opening back up. To well, they patients. were they were backlogged. So when did we get our referral? Uh, it had to have been like March, like you know, probably February. February, yeah. We got here in in January. We immediately tried to get them on insurance, and then yeah, and then we got them into the doctor's office, got the referral. Yeah. So I finally got the call last week. No, wasn't it? Well, we. Well, got, it was last week. Yeah. Yeah, last week scheduling for this week. But we had gotten a couple calls prior asking if we were still interested and apologizing. It wasn't until the scheduling call that they told us, I'm so sorry that it was such a long wait. We closed partway through COVID. And when we opened up, we had a large backlog, which is, I mean, it's understandable. You, you go on your time in the list, but we were hoping to get in sooner, but this will be fine. Well, it's just great. I mean, we can, we'll take what we can get and hopefully we can learn some strategies of how to work with him. Do, you know, whatever we do in the therapy, maybe we can do a little bit at home. 
And I think maybe his his younger brother, uh, Xander, would probably benefit a little bit from it because he's also a little bit speech delayed. He, he has words. He has letters. He has sounds. He's just very in his own head. Yeah. He was, yeah. He kind of likes to do his own thing and do. He, he interacts with his siblings, but he likes to do his own thing a lot of the time. Like he'll, he'll, he's the kind of kid that will grab his toy and go into his bedroom and sit in his bed and play in his toy for, I don't know, a half hour, hour, and then come back out and get a new toy and do it again. <laughs> uh, well, maybe not all day, but he, he, he does need his alone time where he just does something by himself. But he, I think, I don't know. I think he is. Like, Nora will play with Oliver, and she will play with Judah. And Oliver will play with Nora. He'll kind of play with Judah. He'll kind of play with Judah. He's just now beyond tolerating Judah. He will kind of play with Xander, but as of right now, they're not his favorite. (laughs) But when we do... So, in order to encourage speech, like today we were doing... Mommy monster where mommy chases the kids, right? So all the kids are running. Our our kitchen, playroom, family room is all basically one big circle. So we can run from room to room. And so you chase them and you have all four kids running in front of you. And then Nora and Oliver tell you to stop. And then you do whatever they tell you to do. And then you do it again. And so in that instance, like... Xander and Judah will jump in and, and play. So, I don't know. He oh. he is adding more words. That's oh, good. Judah said hi today. Oh, That's nice. a new word. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're really excited to get speech therapy going for Oliver. Hopefully, it will, we'll see some good improvements and we'll work with him a lot and really try to boost. Because that's one of the things that he's just a little bit behind on. And I think it just is probably the root cause of a lot of his problems as far as uh, some of his mood. Like, he'll get, like, just very upset, and he'll just run and and cry somewhere in the corner. And so I think this will hopefully get him to be able to communicate a little bit better, to express himself. He's been actually doing really good about saying, like, I'm sad. I don't think he likes to say I'm mad because I think he He said knows. I'm angry today. Did he really? Okay. Yeah, I made him turn the hose off. Oh, yeah, that would make him a little angry. <laughs> was that because he was building his little mud fort in the corner? No, we were playing in the pool. That was our playtime after reading. Is we were playing in the pool, and our pool has these little dolphins on the top, and you can plug, you can screw in the hose, and it will be like a sprinkler. Oh, it's quits water, yeah. Yeah, but he turned it up full blast, and I'm sitting 12 feet away from the pool. Like, I'm a good distance away, because I didn't want to get wet. And, like, he can hit me with the... And I was like, no, we're going to turn that down. <laughs> and then when he did not comply, it got turned off. And then he was mad. Angry. Angry. <laughs> Which is a five-letter word, so that's... Yeah. Well, he has he has amazing, he has magical, he has he has some big words, but I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just... So that's what we're, I guess we're looking forward to this week. And I wanted to, I guess, shift our gears a little bit to the, the medical school side of things. Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, as you, if you've been following along, we finished our three weeks of psych online. We are now in psych in person and wow, it is everything, <laughs> it's everything uh, I did not think it would be <laughs> in a good way. Like I, I knew it was going to be interesting. I knew it was going to be challenging because it is just a, a whole new world of medicine. You're just not, maybe not used to seeing, or at least I'm not used to seeing, and and this is again like it's like your first day you get you know this is my second core rotation and it's been at least three weeks since I had a patient contact, um, not as long as of course before my first rotation but we are going in and we have a few I'm with a couple other guys um, there's actually technically five of us on this rotation so it's a little crowded so we made a few arrangements to make it more efficient so when the days that we are there we will have a lot more patient contact and a lot more active work to do. And I'm, so I'm with this, it's outpatient psych. I think I had mentioned previously that there was possibly an opportunity to do inpatient psych uh, rounds early in the morning. That's not this rotation, apparently. And there are other psych rotations that school offers that has you do morning rounds, but this particular psychiatrist 
does not do that. Or she might do it, but she doesn't have her students come with her if she does do it. And uh, I would have to just uh, maybe a sidebar on this psychiatrist. She is a rock star in this field. Like, she is well-known in the community. She is fantastic. Um, she is, I think, board certified in adult child psychiatry and forensic psychiatry. So I think she does a lot of stuff with the court systems. I think in general, doctors do a lot of things with lawyers in general, with lawsuits and whatnot. But I, I think she's like a very well-known individual in the community and especially in the law. She's talked about, uh, she mentioned in passing certain uh, high profile cases that she had, had worked on. And I would I'll speak to some of my just kind of general top level experiences today because uh, today is my first day of seeing the patients and very top level how she talks to her patients and how she uh, organizes the conversation and objectives because it's not counseling. This is not spend a half an hour with a doctor and we're going to work through your problems slowly. It's we're trying to figure out what we need to work on implement it and then you go you have maybe a therapist you go see anyway so she she has a really good way of handling patients who they have a lot going on like they these aren't just oh i'm a little sad patients these are patients who are full-blown there's a spectrum here like we saw anything from autism to patients who had others you know major depressive seasonal depressive you know really bad backgrounds with um Lots of abuse, lots of um, upsetting levels of abuse, I guess you could say. And the way the doctor handles those patients, especially like one of my patients like just broke down crying during one of the interviews. And it was just like, I don't do well with crying patients. (laughs) I don't do well with crying anything. I mean, my kids, I can kind of handle crying, but that's usually over like, you know, spilled milk or something. Nothing, nothing too crazy, but like. This was like heart wrenching. This person's crying because they're going through a lot. They're going through a lot of like upsetting things or things that they feel a little bit persecuted. Maybe they and it, maybe rightly so. In some of these cases, it's not just like they're not crazy. <laughs> they're going through some really tough times. And the way the doctor takes the conversation, tries to make it productive, challenges the patients, is really really cool. I think some of the biggest takeaways I had just from today was one of the things she liked to say was, let me see if I can get this right, is you can't medicate someone to make the right choice. Like and it, it's, it's it's really cool to hear because like a lot of times I kind of th- I've always thought of psychiatry as like we're just managing your psychosis, we're just managing a lot of your symptoms so you can be at a baseline. And a lot of what we were handling today was a little bit of that, but a lot of like really trying to empower patients to take charge and control of their life, even if they had a pretty bad diagnosis, as far as like, maybe they had, I don't know, autism, let's just say autism, which is a lifelong diagnosis, you're never going to grow out of it, that is just part of who you are. And really challenging those patients to take control of, you know, who they are as a person and advocate advocate for themselves and really don't let yourself be a victim make make your choices or there was another patient that it was very similar like that where it was set boundaries <laughs> set clear boundaries with the patient um you know the patient has to make the right choice and so it's up it's up to the parents to set those boundaries and try to encourage the right choice to be made and and it was again really well handled and um Again, like she's my preceptor is just quite a quite a bit of a rock star in the area, and uh, <laughs> I'm kind of diving a little bit in. Like it's a little humbling as well because I I come in my two other guys with me in my rotation. So there's sorry, there's three other guys in my rotation. One of them is a fourth year medical student, so I don't necessarily count him as one of the other guys because like he's more or less treated as a preceptor in a way. Uh, the other two guys are they're on the first rotation, so they they were like me back when I started family medicine, where they were like, "What's patient history?" Uh, okay, and they're doing good too. Like, I'm not trying to say like they they were, they were terrible, but they're nervous. They have they have a little bit of nerves going into it. If got to talk to the patients, okay, what do I talk about? <laughs> Hi, my name is. Okay, what do what do we need to do? And so it, it's a little nerve wracking like that. 
And then, so I, I walked into two, two, my first two patients of the day and Alfredo, the fourth year student, he's going to, he's trying to match into, I think, family medicine this, uh, I think Wednesday's when the match applications release. So he's, he's crossing his fingers, but he interviewed the first patient, which is great because then I got a little bit of a feel and wow, that was a, <laughs> there was a lot in that patient contact. And then I left that patient room thinking I had like this diagnosis in my head. I was like, oh man, this seems like maybe with some of the history of the patient had that maybe this is dissociative and identity disorder, which if you're following along what that is, it's like someone can have like a really traumatic event in their life and they basically can make more than two identities and you've seen, I think, probably documentaries on these sort of things, the people who, like, they're talking one way, and then you see them, like, the next day, and they have a completely different accent, and they don't even recognize you or whatever it is. So it was like, huh, maybe she fits that. And I, I so wanted that to fit the mold that when we pre- Alfredo presented, we were talking to, the, talking to our preceptor, and I kind of, kind of tossed that idea out there, like, well, well maybe it's dissociative... Uh, identity disorder and she just kind of looked at me and said is that a real thing and I was like you know I was taken aback like well man I, I'm pretty sure that's that's a real thing in the DSM-5 and she was like there's a, there's a lot of controversy on that whether that even exists and like she has she asked some really good questions like is this patient aware of her decisions she's making conscious decisions to do x y and z that we are seeing her for today because um, I think one of the requests, there was a, a particular request that the patient and the guardian was trying to make that the doctor was like, hmm, I'm not sure that's the right the right steps for this patient. And so it was really kind of humbling. And it was in a good way. Like it was good to, I was, I was throwing out a diagnosis and I got, I got shot down. And <laughs> I know now not to bring up that diagnosis again because the doctor is not really on board with that sort of thing as and then I, we, I go to see the next patient and I'm listening to the patient and I'm listening and I'm like, man, this is like textbook, you world, schizophrenia. Like, I got this. It's schizophrenia. And because like it had it had like auditory hallucinations. It had um, psychomotor dysfunctions. It had a long history and it wasn't really tied to mood disorders like it wasn't really tied to like a super depressive state or a manic state and so I'm like yeah I can I could see this as schizophrenia like yeah and the doctor was you know she listened and she didn't actually correct me (laughs) this time when I presented and she just kind of got up we walked into the room we talked to the patient and it was just a I guess her you know I wouldn't be able to do it much justice for how she described the situation but it was kind of a an extension of the patient's underlying medical condition that might have been being exhibited that had nothing really to do with an auditory hallucination. It was like an, like an inner monologue kind of thing is what the patient, the doctor was kind of thinking, but which is a little bit different than if you have like an, an actual hallucination. So wrong again. <laughs> uh, so that it, again, just really, really kind of a humbling experience and that's something i'm gonna have to kind of work on i need to work on my interview skills more i i'm still a little rusty i do okay i think i get most of the the right questions out and even the doctor was when we were getting some feedback from her uh towards the end of the day she was saying that you guys are asking a lot of the right questions but maybe better organization on our our presentation so we need to be a little bit better at presenting our case to the doctor because I think she wants to see a linear thought process going through the history and physical. So it's something I have, of course, things to work on. And I think the other thing I, I probably need to continue to work on is when if I think of a diagnosis really quick, if it seems like it fits a diagnosis really closely and fit quickly, to maybe try to figure out how to challenge that diagnosy because then it's I'm not just so fixy. I'm not so hung up on that one diagnosis that I'm making everything fit. But I mean, it was quite, it was quite a day. That those were just the first two patients, you know. I think I have this dissociative anxiety, uh, identity disorder, and I think I have schizophrenia. And then that doesn't count, like you know, the psyche vows that we did, the uh, 
depression checkups that we did, follow-ups for depression. And I mean, there's a whole host of things that we saw today that were just like, man, this you see a lot of different things from patient to patient. And like if you were, I, I remember working in orthopedics and, you know, I was a surgery coordinator, so maybe a little bit of a um, sample bias here, but all the patients that we typically see, were, you know, if the orthopedic surgeon was a, a knee surgery, we saw patients with knee pain of various states of torn ACLs, MCLs, uh, meniscus tears, all the way to uh, osteoarthritis, traumatic osteoarthritis, or avascular necrosis, and so... But generally, it's like, oh, knee pain, just a, just a different variety of knee pain. <laughs> Whereas this was like, man, it's like anything from depression to anxiety to schizophrenia to drug overdoses to toxicities to like just so much you're juggling. And, and some of these patients are on interesting cocktails, which <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this doctor, I think, does a really good job. Or I think one of her theories is like she doesn't like to do a lot of drugs on she and she doesn't she's not opposed to prescribing medications is obviously a kind of a staple in psychiatry but she doesn't like to do a, you know 12 15 drugs because you know there's polypharmacy there's interactions there's a whole lot of things that can be happening and you just don't know if you're getting the desired effect and she doesn't like the idea of turning people into zombies because that's just, some of the psychi- psych, uh, psychiatric meds can do is just turn these people into like catatonic zombies that just kind of exist and most patients don't like that and and psych- antipsychotic drugs are quite expensive they can be yeah um, i mean there's like the like adhd medication that was one that's of the not, things that, yeah that's not that it's, it's like out there for many many years and shouldn't be all that expensive i don't think it is really all that expensive no, but I think it, there's it, a generic form now yeah i mean there were we ran into this issue maybe you can actually answer this slightly <laughs> it's been a while go ahead so if you were like, let's say a doctor order a medication to be taken twice daily. Mm-hmm. It could not be cut in half. Mm-hmm. but the And it was a uh, drug that typically the formula might be once daily, the typical uh, dosage. So let's say like 90 pills for 90 days, uh, um, 60 pills, 30 days, BID. But the insurance says, no, we will only do one pill once daily. There are, there are ways around it. You, I would have, so most of the time when, in, when we came up against, so most of the times when you come up against insurances like that, if the pharmacist calls, you, you can figure out a workaround. It's a lot, a lot of it is written within their policy. So I know like I worked on, this was years ago. So this person probably is no longer with us, but, um, that's a little morbid. Well, I worked in. You worked in the, like I, a long-term I, care facility. I worked facilities in the long-term skilled Alf, nursing. Alps and sniffs, and um, for the uninitiated, Alps are assisted living facilities. Sniffs are skilled nursing facilities, and then we did um, memory care. We did memory care, and we did do oh, adult homes for those that could oh, not okay. live on their own, and they got the salad packs, which are the they're basically a um, all the pills that you take in one day in a bag per day so that just shotgun it you know <laughs> no that or, way or we can take pills like karen takes pills like she holds oh, it like honey. three feet above her head and like slowly tries to <laughs> like tilt her head I backwards like so pills. like the pill can fall straight to the esophagus into her stomach without <laughs> my husband is a jerk anyways um oh, a lot you. of times you you can mess with the dosage a lot of it has to do with like how many grams so, like, for this one patient that we had, <laughs> they got a 5-gram pill, a 10-gram pill, a 20-gram pill, and then and they had to take them in a certain way in order to get the correct dosage, but we couldn't give them two 20-gram pills. So I, and we, the insurance wouldn't pay for two 10-gram pills, so we did the 5 and the 10 and the 20. <laughs> so there, there are ways around it, but it makes it... It can make it very difficult because, like, in that case, I, I was the biller for that one. And it was fine until somebody at the facility decided that, oh, Why we do have... you need a five? You can yeah, do. somebody at the facility was like, this is just nuts. And so they just gave out whatever dosage that they wanted to give out. Like, they didn't... 
they didn't follow the script. The they, they followed the script, but giving them the correct amount of medication, but they didn't follow the script in what pills they gave. So they ran out of, I think they ran out of the 10 gram pills. Oh, oh and I then see. we had, we could not get the insurance to pay for them. So we had to eat the cost and, and we had to figure out what the insurance would fill until the next actual fill date. Um, which was a pain in the butt that took like half the day <laughs> because so, when you call insurance, you're on So hold. you have no real solutions for this problem. <laughs> <laughs> you change the script. To what? Well, like in that case, we had to change the grams. So. Oh my gosh. So they might, instead of taking one pill twice a day, they might end up taking four pills, tw- two pills in the morning and two pills at night if, oh, because okay. it, it, it what they authorize depends on a, so, of strength or that, it's That's so weird. difficult because you have, basically you have to go into the formulary for... That's why you have the pharmacist do it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because that's, that, that was above my pay grade. Because, and inevitably what generally happens here, because pharmacists are busy, especially if you go to like a CVS or a Walgreens, they got, they got tons of prescriptions that are working on. And what generally will happen is that they'll just tell the patient, tell the doctor to change the SIG and it'll probably go through and the doctor gets in. Because that's what happened in this situation. The doctor was like, no, no, that, that's, that's the correct SIG. We can't. Yes, this medication is generally taken once a day, but I want it to be taken twice a day because I have a very good reason to want the patient to take this twice a day. Yeah. And so I think our only solution that I think the doctor was able to come up with was basically this is a cheap medication so with insurance it it, well they weren't going to insurance wasn't going to pay for it i think as the sig was written and so like but this is a cheap medication so i think you just don't bill the insurance and you can get the same prescription for like 15 dollars which i think is because he like went on to like girdrx.com and looked up the medication like it's 15 dollars at any Publix. (laughs) (laughs) yes so you can do that too for the nursing homes, by law, they had to get it through. Right, you had the bubble pack. We had to have a bubble pack, so we we had to figure out. A it way wasn't to do really. It. A, it's not really an outpatient problem. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but like bubble pack your ibuprofen. Yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> oh, that was the worst. That was the worst when they made that when they made the change to the law where we had to bubble pack all of the over the counter medications because families kept calling. Why am I paying this much for ibuprofen and Tylenol and the multivitamins? Well, because <laughs> because it has to be bubble packed, and the bubble pack machine <laughs> costs this much, and then the people that work it cost this much, and it was it was really sad because the company that I worked for when I first started working would donate returned medications that were still within the bubble pack, still sealed, and all that stuff. And then with how the laws changed over how I was working, they, they, would they donate were, it to free clinics and whatnot. Yeah, they would never. They weren't. It was cost prohibitive to donate to a free clinic anymore. And then it was cost prohibitive to even like any over the counter medications that were returned. They got burned. They got right because like you'd have to because remove them from yeah. the bubble pack, put <laughs> them back in the main them. supply, and it's like, well, this is like a twenty cent pill, so. Why am I spending manpower to pop a 20-cent pill through a bubble pack so that I can resell it? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, Yeah. It's just one of those those things where sometimes the law and probably maybe well-intentioned. The law was probably well-intentioned, but the reality of it, maybe not so much. Like, it it just made the cost of doing business maybe a little bit more expensive because you had bubble pack things and, like... I mean, imagine going to like Costco and getting one of those giant bottles of ibuprofen and how cheap that is versus paying Karen's old company like $50 or whatever no, it was. It didn't, to... <laughs> not much. it didn't. It was like two, but uh-huh. that was $2 for like. Is that a pill? For ibuprofen? For a pill? Or was that for? No, for a, a 30 day supply. Oh, okay. We would either send out 15 or 30 days. But I mean, it was still cheaper to get the big old bottle of. Yes. Okay. Especially especially for vitamins as well. Yes. Anyway, well-intentioned law that affected the cost. You know, the patient has to pay a little extra because it costs the pharmacy that much more to to send and pack the meds. And then 
also hurts the free clinic you know industries out there the free clinics out there that rely on providing medications to poor individuals who can't afford it um and some of these people at free clinic are like you know just pe- either people with no insurance or people who are underinsured or uh, frankly um maybe migrant workers uh so these are medications that you know help people out who need it and they you know suddenly the supply is cut off because regulations make it prohibitive yeah it was it was disappointing i know it was a, it was a the company really wanted to but it just it was yeah anyways um we're, that we're, is beside uh, the point <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it's it's interesting how some of those meds again we're kind of going going back to like just the cocktails of medications and um another i guess struggle i'm going to kind of have to work through is all the generic names versus the brand names because in in medical school you are going to learn everything by the generic because you will be tested on the generic so like wellbutrin is a brand name that's very common i think it's like bupropion is the generic name (laughs) so you're going to learn all about bupropion and then you're going to see well butrin and be like what is this or um i by my background being in orthopedics we saw a lot of patients on um i think it was plavix and (laughs) whenever i would see the generic name i would just immediately think plavix so it was pretty that was pretty helpful um or like coumadin versus Wafarin. So it's it, it just kind of, it's interesting because when you get into an actual practice, everyone's using the brand name for most things. So there's a few things that they use non-brand names yeah, for. If but you're writing a SIG, write the brand name and, and say gen- generic. generic is okay. okay. I mean, that's generally Please what people want. Please do your pharmacist a, a, <laughs> a solid and say generic is okay because... Unless, unless, like the, unless, unless it's, it's not, absolutely but, necessary. But, there are some drugs I think I've heard that are like no the, the generic is crap don't I don't know which ones those are um, yeah and there's also of course ones where there's no there's no generic <laughs> so well it's just so you funny. get what you get yeah it is it is really funny um, what is that pain medication that they do in the IVs for uh, people that have had hip surgeries it starts with like a B a B V V um, Ansef not Ansef no. I'm sorry. Um, it's IV pain medication. Anyways, there's an IV. <laughs> I'm bike, s- okay. No, no. I don't remember. I don't know. I I can't remember at the t- at the moment, but we would always. I should know this. Anytime somebody so anytime somebody was in a skilled stay, which means that they're um it's covered by a Medicare A stay. We always went with generic, but then we had to be super careful about when the facility changed it over because then you had to bill insurance and the insurance would never pay for the generic. But the generic was like, when the facility was paying for it, they always wanted the generic because the generic was like a hundred bucks a bag as opposed to... Let me clarify a few things. And this is so convoluted and so... um, So nerdy level stuff where like most physicians will probably never get into this level of knowledge and that's fine. Um, medic, if you say sometimes it's three midnights, sometimes it's just a, a procedure or a stay that qualifies as an inpatient stay in the hospital because not every time do you get admitted, do you actually qualify for inpatient status? But if you do qualify for inpatient status, and you get discharged to a skilled facility. I'm, sure I'm trying to be very careful with these words here. So, <laughs> because you could be admitted for overnight observation or observation outpatient, which can be up to three days in the hospital and still bills as outpatient on your health benefits. Um, the inpatient stay admitted to a facility is billed under. Uh, a patient's if a patient of course is over 65 years old or whatever it is for medicare and is on medicare qualifies for medicare part a which if i understand correctly is basically medicare just gives a chunk of money to the facility to take care of the patient yep versus a part b stay where, we where things kind of get itemized in a way 
And so the insur- it could be yeah, Medicare Part B is being charged for certain things and different insurances can be charged for certain things. Um, if you had like a pharmacy plan, you'd be charged. Mm-hmm. If it, I, guess, I guess if it was Medicare B stay, the stay in the facility would be charged to Medicare Part B but all if you had benefits for that. All the medications would go to the pharmacy plan. Right. So I was talking about vancomycin, which is actually an antibacterial. Okay. But the vancomycin. Whew, I wasn't that dumb. No. <laughs> it's like so a sorry. narcotic. Sorry. <laughs> vancomycin is super expensive. After insurance, the copay for most is about a hundred and something, but it's like a hundred bucks for Furvank, which is the same thing. It's just a generic. And so anytime we were billing the facility, since the facility has, uh, I mean, Medicare. While it covers you, it does not pay Fantastic. well. So you have to really manage your costs, especially if you have patients that are on some well, that, injectable this is, medicines. This is why facilities, before they take on a patient on a Medicare A stay, they might look at the patient's medication <laughs> list and be like, holy monkey, that is a like a $10,000 medication that we're going to have to pay for. Yeah. <laughs> they, they may not take the patient at that point. Yeah, we did have a facility a- accidentally take uh, and <laughs> accidentally <laughs> accidentally. Take a oh my gosh. They were very, very upset because they got a $10,000 bill because the person that they took was HIV positive and oh. that medication is super expensive. Yeah, and, and you can't. I don't think you can actually bring medications nope. into the facility nope. either. So it's like, it's it's so, so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, all fun stuff with billing. Don't, don't go into it. But <laughs> for the yeah. most part, it was okay. Let me, I liked my bosses. No, you, you, you worked for... I don't know if your company was great, but you worked for some good managers. Anyway, kind of shifting. Sorry, I don't mean to... Mm-mm. shift your away from your, your past history as a... No, but basically, as a doctor, you might be asked to change the SIG. If I were you, I'd ask the pharmacist what what to change it to that would be covered because most of the time when they tell you to change the SIG, it's because the insurance won't pay for it because of some something written in it. And a lot of times, if you just change the dosage or how many pills per day or where... This, this is all it. labor-intensive stuff, yeah. unfortunately. like This is why... If you run a very small office that doesn't have staff capacity to do this kind of work, like you're a doctor, you're seeing patients constantly, you're documenting, you don't want to be on the phone for like 20, 40 minutes, hours with either the pharmacist or the insurance company to work this out. Yeah, it, it can be, be quite quite an effort. Yeah. And in either case, I guess getting back to our, our, the psych rotation, it, it was a pretty humbling experience. Um, a lot, learning a lot, learning just how she, how this doctor talks to the patients, how she's practicing the medicine, how she is uh, just kind of going through everything. And again, it's very interesting from patient to patient, you are seeing something very different. And you're, at least right now, the challenge is to try to get a history from it. It, it seems so weird because psych is all about the mind and the brain and the, and you're also trying to rule out the organic causes for some of the organic basically meaning like drug induced or physical medical condition induced so you want to rule those out in the process of doing your interview so you're but you're also like you're trying to pry into this person's personal life i mean it it sounds so weird, so counterintuitive sometimes. That some of the questions you have to ask, and it's you know, in medicine, you you ask a lot of really awkward questions, and you just kind of have to get used to it. And I, I need to get more used to it, I suppose, because there are some words like, oh man, I don't really want to ask that question. That's a weird question. They're going to think I'm weird for asking it, but you got to ask it because if you don't, your preceptor is going to be like, why didn't you ask that question? <laughs> I mean, I, I think probably like most of my patients today, I had you know, I just uh, just to rule out certain you know depression symptoms i you know i have to ask them if they're suicidal and that's a that's kind of a weird question especially on some of these patients who are on antipsychotic meds or on antidepressive medications having that really honest conversation with them like have you thought about hurting yourself okay well why don't you tell me about that and how long does that happen you know how long, you know, and you're in there it's really strange because the patients are kind of honest with you 
and that's kind of a, another weird thing. I, and I'm going to probably eat my words here. Like a lot of the patients today, I felt like were very honest. I didn't ever feel like I presented to my preceptor and then went back in the room with the preceptor and the patient completely contradicted. Like I had my experience was in, med, in the family medicine rotation where I had patients contradict what they had said a couple times. These patients, they're there for help. They know that you're there to help them. And they're pretty honest. I mean, I felt like the patients were pretty honest with me and um, I know that's not going to be the case all the time. I think even one of the patients that another group of us saw, I, I didn't actually see myself, was a little less than honest. But it's an interesting rotation. I'm kind of eager to kind of go through a few more <laughs> days of it and hopefully have a, a bit more to talk about next week when we, um, if we, I guess... Next week, I think we'll have... Uh... We'll, we'll see. We're, we're working on a special episode. If it works out, then great. If it doesn't, you're going to hear me talk a lot more about psych rotation. Either way, in either the next week or the week after, you'll hear me talk a lot about psych rotation. So I think we're probably going a little bit long today, but that's that's fine. I think we had a, a good amount of content. I always forget the outro, video, uh, outro conversation because uh, this is a podcast. Uh, we, we're happy to have listeners. We're happy to have uh, people who subscribe to the podcast either through... Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, whatever whatever podcast system you use. We also have our Instagram. I know we we don't we're not doing a lot of outreach as far as promoting this podcast. So if you want to like it and share it with your friends, rate it on iTunes. And again, if you have any questions, you can see uh, the Instagram profile. I think it's Med Family MD. Yep. Karen is, uh, of course, managing that because uh, uh, Instagram would suck up my life and I would have nothing, no time to actually do medicine and study medicine. So <laughs> it's funny. I'll, I'll get links from like some friends who send me a link to an Instagram post that they thought was funny or whatever. And it's just like, I don't have Instagram. <laughs> I have to sign in. I don't have a sign in. He sends them to me and then watches them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my solution currently. But um, yeah. So. I hope you guys enjoyed the sh- the episode today. Hopefully, we were. Uh, hopefully, I was coherent. Like sometimes, I I listen to this stuff and I realize I'm not giving you a very linear, a linear view of what I've been up to and what we've been doing. But hopefully, we're giving you a good idea of what medical school is life like. Ugh. Yeah. Anything you want to throw nope. in there? Have a good week, guys. All right. See you. <laughs>